Welcome to the By Every Word Bible Study Podcast, where once a week we take some time to look at God's Word, examine it, and apply it to our daily walk with Him. May you please have your Bibles ready as we begin our study now. Welcome back to the By Every Word Bible Study Podcast. This week we will be continuing our study in the book of Ephesians, and last week we began this study and we were examining how Ephesians applies to us today as New Testament Christians. And we talked last week about how Paul here writing to the church at Ephesus is constantly reminding the people there, the Christians there, about the greatness of God. And how great a reminder that was for them and how great a reminder that is for us today as well. Before we get into the church and how Christians should treat one another and the various topics is what we're going to see throughout the book of Ephesians, it's good to always have that reminder first of how great God is. And this week we will continue our study by looking at Ephesians chapter 2. And it's important to remember, again, that Ephesians was written to the church in Ephesus, meaning Paul wrote this letter to people who had already been baptized into Christ, and these were New Testament Christians who would be reading this letter primarily. At times, we tend to read Scripture out of context, and even out of time, it seems. And while verses on their own can often make us think deeply and influence us in spiritual walks, it is so very important to also know who they were written to and why they were written and when they were written to give us a deeper insight and greater understanding of the intent behind the words that we read. Knowing this, we see that Paul begins this next section, chapter 2 of Ephesians, with another reminder. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. This thought, being the first two verses we see, and we're reminded immediately, death for a Christian is not like death in the world. Death in our spiritual life means the faithful have the blessing of eternity. However, at this time, this death being discussed is not a physical death, is it? It's a death in our sin and our trespasses. Throughout the Bible, going back to the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden, we are constantly reminded that sin brings about death, and because of sin, we must face death in this life. So we have two choices today. We can either die in our sin, or we can die to our sin. Of course, we should strive for the latter, despite how difficult that may be at times. Dying to sin is just taking up our cross and following Jesus. And we see this idea presented to us by Jesus in Matthew chapter 16. And this thought, this idea of being crucified with Jesus is expounded upon by Paul in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, where the Bible tells us, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. At one point prior to baptism, people who become Christians did walk in their trespasses and their sins. And this walk is the following of the world, us falling to the sin and temptation of the world. In those situations where we're sinning, we are fitting in instead of standing out as God wants us to. And after we're baptized, we should always strive to stand out, not fall in with the rest of the world. To do this, we die to what the world would encourage us to do and what the world expects us to do. We die to our sin. 
And with this death, we pick up our cross. We are crucified with Jesus. We give up our sinful nature, trying our best and striving all we can to live for Jesus. And then it's no longer us who lives, but Christ who lives in us. Does this mean that a person who has been baptized is bound to sin no more? And the answer to that is no. However, it does mean that we live our lives in a way where we try with earnest to sin no more. And we are so very thankful that we have a Father who will forgive us if we fail and if we do sin. Verse 3 reminds us that there are gratifying cravings of our flesh if we do sin to our fleshly bodies. But this gratification we get is an illusion. It's a mirage leading us away from the truth of the gospel, making us think that we have found pleasure or satisfaction in the sinful nature of our lives. But we know it's not very gratifying when you look at the long term, is it? And if we continue in sin that we will, that follows the desires and the thoughts that sin promotes. And if we have a sinful nature and our ill-placed intent, we as people who sin In that scenario, deserve the wrath of God. We don't deserve salvation. We never deserve salvation, do we? We never earn salvation. We have not made it possible for us to receive salvation without the grace and the will and the faith of God. In fact, instead of deserving salvation, we deserve, because of our own decisions, to face the anger and the toll for our iniquities, we deserve the wrath of God, don't we? However, God is a loving God. God is a merciful God. Let us read the end of verse 3. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And again, we see this thought here that the love and mercy of God has a power to overtake our very nature. Because we were first loved, now we can love God. And through His love, we can live differently than the world where we live. Paul says there, like the rest. It is so important that we remind ourselves in our Christian walk that nothing we have done makes us better than others. Nothing of our own accord can make us different than this world, for our nature as sinners makes us equal to the Father of this world. It is only through God any of this is possible, that salvation is possible. We are not different than the Gentiles, the Philistines, the Jews, or any other group because of what we have done, but we are made different from the world through the salvation that we receive by the lifeblood of Jesus when we're baptized. If the story of Christ and salvation ended with that thought we saw in verse 3, in that nature deserving of wrath, how sad would the Bible be? How sad would it be knowing that we have no hope that because of our nature, because of our own individual willingness to sin against God, all we had to look forward to is the wrath of God that we rightfully deserve. How thankful are we then that the story of Christ is not one of wrath and judgment, but it is a story of mercy and redemption. Let us now read verses 4 through 5. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We see Paul transitioning here from reminding us what we deserve 
to celebrating and praising the grace of God for freeing us from the torment we rightfully deserve. That freedom we receive through baptism and salvation. The fact that we don't have to face what we deserve. And when we die to our sin and not in our sin, we live in a new life impossible without the blessed gift of salvation. And this idea echoes what we can read in Romans chapter 6, verses 1-7. through I'll read that now. There the Bible says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. If you listen to our first study together focusing on God's plan of salvation, or if you continue to listen to the studies in the future, Lord willing, and I hope that you do, then I've talked about Romans 6, and I will continue to talk about Romans 6 a lot. It's because Romans 6 is so vital for a Christian to know in regards to faith and regards to salvation, your baptism, and the, the idea of this new life that we get to have through Jesus Christ as Christians. We die to our sin through baptism, cleansed by the precious blood that Jesus shed on the cross for our salvation. In this death we are buried with Him below the waters of baptism. And this baptism is one into death. But with that death comes a promised resurrection. The resurrection as we arise out of that water clean, freed from the burden of our sin. And we are united with Him in likeness of His death. We are no longer slaves to sin, but now we are slaves to Christ Jesus. We are slaves to the will of God, prisoners, Paul tells us later in the Bible. And we live for the Lord, not for the world. And all of this is because we have the mercy and love of God in our lives. Let us end our study this week by looking at verses 7-10 through 10 of Ephesians chapter 2 and discussing those in regards to how it applies to us as Christians. The Bible says... In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God didn't just tell us he loved us and he has mercy for us. This is not just him vocalizing these ideas. God showed us. God proved it to us. He exhibited His grace and His love when He gave us His only Son, Christ Jesus. And going back to a very common saying in today's vernacular, that God did not just talk the talk of His love, but He walked the walk by giving mankind the greatest gift ever given, the most precious gift we can ever receive. Nothing else in this life can compare to the grace of God in heaven. Nothing else can even come close. 
It is not on our works which we have been saved. It is because of the grace of God. The grace of God that created and gave us salvation through baptism. The grace of God that allows the blood of Christ to wash our sins as white as snow. The grace of God is a gift. It is an eternal gift. And it is not our works again, but it is what He gave us through His will, through His Son, through the perfect sacrifice that Jesus was on the cross. And it gives us hope of heaven, and that hope exists from the grace of God. And this verse is not teaching that faith alone is enough as a means of salvation. For even the demons believed and trembled, which we discussed in a prior study. It is through grace we have been saved. And Paul asserts in other texts that our salvation does not stop at baptism, but rather it continues in our obedience. We don't just reach baptism and find ourselves at the end of our story. But thanks be to God, we can continue on. For when we are baptized, our story never ends. We continue on in this life, spreading the gospel. We can look forward to heaven one day. And we can see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, or Romans chapter 5, verse 9, these ideas that it continues in obedience forevermore. Not just for a time. And that, of course, is because we can be saved by the lifeblood of Jesus. And a big part of God's grace that is so important is that His grace allows salvation to all people. No matter where they come from or what they have done, the blessed gospel of Christ is truly for all. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 tells us, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Salvation is not reserved for a select few. It's not only given to certain people of certain places and of certain lineages. It is available to all. And again, we reiterate that we cannot work to earn salvation. Salvation is that gift from God. And we're able to receive it from God's grace and our obedience. We cannot work our way into heaven per se, but we do work, don't we? As Christians, we work for the Lord and we are His workmanship. We are not slaves to sin as we saw earlier. We are slaves to the Lord. We are prisoners of the Lord doing His will, slaves to the righteousness of God. And this makes us God's workmanship, seeking and searching the Word of God to see how we should be working in our walk of life. All we do, we are able to do through and by the blessings of God. We understand that we die either in our sin or to our sin. Will we work to avoid the cross and avoid being crucified or we be slaves of righteousness? We make it our aim today as Christians to do good works. And what makes our works good? Our works are only good if our works reflect Jesus. Our works are only good if they are works for the Lord. It is not our works based on what we have done. Rather, it is God's work that He does through us, by the gospel, through prayer, and by our obedience. This is why we cannot boast. For without God, we are nothing. We have nothing, and we can give nothing, and we have hope in nothing. But with God, with God we have everything. With God we have salvation, and with God we have hope. In our study this week, we end with such an affirmation, don't we? Salvation through faith is a gift from God, saving us from the wrath which we deserve, as we read earlier. Furthermore, we are God's workmanship, but we also see that the work we are to do is not happenstance, nor are we unequipped. The Bible tells us that God has prepared us in advance to do this work. 
He has paved us a road, now we must just walk down it. We have a peace and a joy in knowing that, firstly, we can receive the blessed gift of salvation, but receiving that gift is not the ending of our story. We are then to go to work. Work through God and His Word, work for God and His kingdom, and thanks to our preparation given to us by God, we are able to be productive. We are able to be helpful to the lost, and we are able to expand the kingdom. Hope you've enjoyed the lesson this week. If you have any needs, you can always email us at beachhilyouth, B-E-E-C-H, hillyouth at gmail.com. I'd be glad to help you out however I can. Lord willing, next week we'll continue our study on the book of Ephesians. May God bless you. May God bless your families. And as always, we strive to live by every word.